You know, one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story in the investment markets this week was the final, I mean, finally, the Security and Exchange Commission uh, okayed 10 different Bitcoin ETFs. Well, I've got Joey Temprilli with me, the Canadian Bitcoiners. Now, Joey, you get to get a pat on the back because you aren't Johnny come lately to this. You guys have been doing this for ages, for years. You followed this uh, all the way along. So let me just start, you know, forgive the Barbara Walters in me asking you, is this a game changer now? It's a the great approval. question. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great question. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you and your listeners as always, Mike. Happy New Year to everybody. I, I personally believe that it is. And I can't imagine that many people in Wall Street or in big money Bitcoin feel any differently. You know, we spoke a little bit before we started recording about the easiest comp uh, being gold, the gold ETF, GLD, launched in 04. And while I will admit that for many, the launch of the ETF has been relatively underwhelming, I think we're, we're off almost 8% today, 7% today in Bitcoin. But if you look at GLD, from 04 to about 11, 12, when the tech you know, insanity started, maybe you could argue that, GLD and gold did a 4X, about 400 all the way to almost 2,000, 1,900, 2,000, something like that. So I, I would say to people who are, you know, saying it's not a game changer based on the first, you know, what are we yeah. at here? I, I was going to say 48 days, hours. Yeah, exactly. yeah but, but you know what, though? It's not even really because TradFi markets are only open half the day, right? They're on bankers hours at best. And I would say that there's plenty of time for this to rebound, let's say, um, and become the game changer. That I think a lot of us believe it is so much, so much value being unlocked in Bitcoin here because of an ETF launch uh, of this nature. 10, as you mentioned, different providers tons of races in you know in terms of lowest fees in terms of advertising it's been a lot of fun i'm looking forward to seeing what the next you know 12 to 18 months has in store actually uh, just to add what you've just said it's like an economic uh, uh, case study in that the benefits of competition to the consumer so you're right when you've got 10 they've got to figure out how to differentiate yourself and i i think <laughs> we'll see it in terms of lower fees for example you know, it's it's always of benefit, uh, contrary to what some of our political heroes say. It's always of benefit to get competition. But this is like a, just a instant real world example. Like they're all figuring out, OK, we're all been OK in this market. How are we going to separate ourselves? And yeah. as I say, the first thing that jumped out at me is no fees, you know, no or fees. reduce fees or no fees and reduce fees are outstanding. I won't bore your listeners with the details, but you can Google this if you're a listener of this program and maybe not familiar with Bitcoin and specifically Bitcoin development. One of the asset, uh, excuse me, one of the ETF providers has pledged to donate some percentage of their management fees to what is typically referred to in the space as open source development projects. And so I believe the first three beneficiaries of that are OpenSats, which is a Bitcoin develop, uh, development mm -hmm. um outreach program, basically support program. Open source developers don't get paid, Mike, as, as you probably know and your listeners know. Uh, the other is the Human Rights Foundation, Alex uh, Gladstein and others working with that organization over the years. The third one escapes me at the moment. It's been a busy few days, but even things like this, right? You really do have to do some work in convincing Bitcoiners to, what is, what is the word here? To become nodes for the ETFs. Many times in, my, in the last three years or four years or five years, going back to when I first started buying Bitcoin, People ask me, how, how can I buy? Before it was use whatever exchange Canadians can use and get Bitcoin. Now, mm -hmm. if you're a little less willing to take that jump, you can buy the ETF in your TFSA, your RSP, whatever, or your home savings account. You know, I don't know how many people have outputs for all these three things in Canada these days, but let's pretend you do. Th these, these Bitcoiners now are able to make 
judgments about which ETF is the best one, even if they're not going to buy it, their father might, their brother, their yeah. aunt, their uncle, their sister. And so I think these companies are fighting not only for new assets uh, in the in the um, under the umbrella that these ETFs will, will will now have available, but also they're trying to win the hearts and minds of people who have been in Bitcoin for a long time. Some great first steps, and I think there's many more great ones to come. The opening up for the average individual, I hate that term, right? Who's a, hi, I'm average. I, okay, everyone <laughs> is different because I'm definitely an average person. But, you know, that hasn't been a Bitcoin uh, follower to any degree. They, they see it, but would like exposure. I think this is just it. I mean, it's low cost to get involved through any ETF, but low cost, it's tax efficient, uh, liquidity, you know, oh, buy, sell, no, I guess it's taken the mystery out. People have a lot more affinity for how stocks move and ETFs on the stock market. You know, they yeah. do have familiarity with something like a, a GLD or in silver SLV. You know, I mean, that list is a long one now. I, I just think this opens up a marketplace. And the fact, by the way, that it drops on the announcement, I mean, God, nobody in markets is surprised that you buy on the rumor and you sell on the news. <laughs> yeah. and, and if you're buying it, I, I, there will be people who are there to trade. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to people who want it to be a portion of their portfolio, maybe worried about government and fiat currencies, uh, maybe geopolitical, maybe like the, uh, the ease of like if I'm in Singapore and I've got Bitcoin and, I've got, and I'm in Toronto and I got Bitcoin, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the I think one of the biggest drawbacks to gold is portability. You know, I, I'm, you know, we like gold. We like a position in gold on this show, but it's the portability. Like, yes, sir. gee, I've, I've accumulated, <laughs> accumulated 100 pounds of gold. Well, that's not easy to transport. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. No shoebox is going to come with you over the border. It's interesting. You know, you mentioned there the, the sort of fog of trust being removed from the asset. Yes. I, I believe this as well. I've, I've talked about this on our show quite a bit. And not all my, my colleagues and peers in Bitcoin agree, but I think this really does change what the top of the funnel looks like for a lot of people. I'll give you an example. Oh. When you look at Bitcoin Twitter and, you know, love it or hate it, Twitter X is where a lot of people go for their top of funnel moment for almost anything. Mm -hmm. You want to learn yep. a bit about what happened in the NHL or the ETF market or whatever. You may go to Google and wind up on Twitter first. The top of the funnel for Bitcoin used to look like have fun staying poor, laser eyes, memes, uh, you know, all sorts of maybe yep. things not quite shareable with polite company uh, from time to time. It's difficult to convince people who are already skeptical of an asset because of the nature of the asset. You know, this it's kind of intangible qualities and the decentralization and what is it backed by? Well, energy, things like this that you yeah. and your listeners know, know enough about. That was the old top of the funnel. Now the top of the funnel is the person who's been handling your finances for 20 years. You go to the bank, go to the back branch office, and the same person who's been uh, peddling mutual funds to you and your family for the better part of two or three decades, or maybe longer in some cases, depending on where you are and who you are. Now, this person is um, helping you at the top of the funnel. To me, one of the biggest hurdles to this uh, group of wealth that ETFs provide is that we, didn't, we weren't able to break the trust barrier for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that was a fair criticism of uh, Bitcoin and, and even crypto as well for a long time. That, that's, al that's almost entirely gone now. And you, know, you, you mentioned there that you have a position in gold and Money Talks has been supportive of that. I think that's, that's a fair position to take. I believe this is a better asset than gold for you know many reasons. But the thing that I, I do like about the advertising that started so far, I believe it was Van Eck, whose ticker for their ETF is HODL, H-O-D-L. So if it's not Van Eck, my, my apologies. But whoever is running that ticker uh, has an ad out now, Mike, that's about 15 seconds long that talks directly about government debasement of currency. Imagine a year ago 
having a major, you know, trillion dollar asset manager talking about protect yourself from government debasement with Bitcoin. It was unthinkable. And now it's a reality. Top of the funnel has changed and has changed in a positive way. Well, I think they all been listening to money talks. I'm going to be taking full credit (laughs) for not being late to that party. In fact, I don't know if there's a, a stronger comprehension proponent certainly not in the media of how that process has been unfolding, like, and and the evidence that we go with. But, you know, the other thing that you bring up though, is that, uh, you know, it's sort of like um, this whole sphere now gets to borrow from JP Morgan's credibility, you know, brand names in the financial field, no matter what we think of them, but you sort of go, well, come on, if Black Rocks is involved, it can't be that bad. Despite (laughs) what's hilarious is one of the great stories is Larry Fink, the head of Black Rock calling Bitcoin, a fraud and all of those things. You couldn't have been more uh, demeaning of Bitcoin. Oh yeah, by the way, we're going to be part of this. You know, I I just thought that was one of the great about, this guy should be in politics. Incredible. Yeah. Although Most he's black rocks. Most of the time when you spin that fast, you need a neck brace after, Whoa. right? But not Larry. Oh. <laughs> but but they will borrow the credibility because now you'll be buying through your brokerage firm or not necessarily, but you know, the brokerage firm, but these names are attached to it now. And I think that really, whether people in the Bitcoin sphere understand the significance, I can sure tell you confidence. Mm-hmm. Number one issue on our show is declining confidence. Confidence plays a monster role. I think uh, they've got the SEC's blessings, for example, right yeah. now. They've got these major firms involved, major ETF firms too. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a different world now. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You bring up a few points there. Let's let's uh, double click on a couple of them. The borrowing of trust from BlackRock is important. It's funny that people who trust BlackRock almost know nothing about them. I mean, they might be yeah. the least trustworthy institution on the planet at this point. Maybe I don't know. They're definitely in the running, so that's fun. But they do bring legitimacy and staying power. And one thing that the SEC knows is that they are not long for this world the same way BlackRock, VanEck, et cetera, are long for this world. These guys are multi-generational thinkers, not four years at a time thinkers. And Gensler has proven himself to be, um, again, I'll search for some diplomatic terminology here. He's proven himself to be, he's wavered a few times on this. Everyone's (laughs) seen the clips of him at MIT talking about how Bitcoin is this great thing, not a security. And yet here he is now on the day of the approval you know, sort of uttering his last gasp, you know, the soft whimper of the overruled SEC chairman. We don't approve of Bitcoin, even if we approve of the ETF. Thanks, Gary. Nobody asked you. Yeah. The confidence thing in Bitcoin is interesting. And I think that what you'll see from asset managers are some of the stats that you, some of the stats and figures and um, sort of important things to consider and keep in mind when you talk about investing in Bitcoin, as far as stuff like volatility. Bitcoin famously volatile, famously, right? The, the red candles, uh, come just as often and just as hard as the green candles. It's never going to stop, I don't think, at least not in the foreseeable future, ETF or not. Now, here's a stat for you that I think you're going to start to see more and more. You're sitting down. I don't know if Grant and Dustin are sitting down. I hope they are. If you had, Mike, a 98% USD allocation and a 2% Bitcoin allocation, mm-hmm. you could pick any four-year period since Bitcoin's inception, you'd be beating the S&P. How's yeah. that sound? Does that sound good to you? And what's the management fee on that, on 98% cash? I'll tell you what it is. It's zero. At 2% Bitcoin, you can hold that in ETF. You can buy it on Coinbase. You do whatever you want. But the fact of the matter is that the volatility in Bitcoin has worked great. It's been very, very positive and made a lot of people a lot of money over the 13, 12 years, maybe a little less if you want to talk about really how long it's been a liquid market for a lot of people. And 
volatility works in your favor when you when you size correctly, when you consider, you know, that every red candle is not a sell immediately event. And I think you're going to see a lot of asset managers start to reference these things that we've been saying on Twitter, by the way, for a long time that you and I have talked about the times mm-hmm. we've spoken, things like this, but they're going to become more and more well known. And I think the next question you have to answer is, what's this mean for the dollar and its position in portfolios? What does this mean for, for treasuries and bonds and their position in portfolios? The 60-40 portfolio is an interesting kind of, it's, it's kind of a scale tipper, right? There was a long time when you needed 60-40 allocation to protect yourself. They're supposed to move inversely, bonds and, and equities, but they really haven't been doing that no. as well as they used to. And there's a lot of doubt in the US debt market, isn't there? That There just wasn't even two years ago. You know, these bond auctions make news on Twitter because there's no bid. Uh, and, and I just think like, is this something that a lot of retirees want to bank on? You know, do you want to bank on the White House announcing one day, Friday after the bell, that they're considering taking some portion of those seized Russian assets to rebuild Ukraine? They may not suffer from that immediately, but pensioners who rely on those bonds might. People who want to be in fixed income might. They don't have these, your best interests are not at the heart of a lot of these things. And Bitcoin takes away a lot of that counterparty risk. Long term, I think this becomes a bigger part of the picture for a lot of people. Well, again, now we're validating or verifying, you know, with data, that part you're saying about it uh, reduces risk, that it actually enhances the portfolio performance. Mm -hmm. That I'm starting to sense, and I know you guys have been talking about it for a a few years now, but I'm now seeing it more for lack of a better term, mainstream, m- yes. better understood, because let's say it's data-driven. Well, the data's there much more clearly now than, say, people would have, maybe they weren't looking, but say three years ago, four years ago. And and you're right about the correlation. The 60-40 has had a very difficult time. We had the huge decline in bonds. Oh, and stocks. That wasn't <laughs> what that, that portfolio was sort of predicated on. So two, 2022 was a brutal year. And that, that's exactly why I think this is a topic um, – you know, I recommend going to the Canadian Bitcoiners, a topic to explore. It's going, I mean, it's here now. You know, let, let me just say that. This is going to be a much more prominent sort of area of discussion. And Joey, I want to thank you for your continual support of our show to bring your expertise and interest in this uh, to our audiences. And we were doing that when we were learning how to spell Bitcoin with you. <laughs> so uh, I think we're a little further along. I'm a little further along, but uh, no, much appreciated, Joey. I hope so. And uh, don't forget, Mike, as long as my wife is sick of hearing me talk, I'll come on your air anytime. I need to get this out to somebody. So this is perfect. Great. Thanks, Joey.